we're go- I'm going to assign uh, verses like we did a couple of weeks ago. All right? I think that'll go good. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, I pray that you would teach us more about yourself tonight. Three phenomenal words tonight that every Christian needs to know. Those that have been saved a while, they know these words, but it's going to be fun to hear them again and review them. Those who are just learning the Christian faith, these may be brand new words. But I pray that you'd help us to take them, learn them, cherish them, enjoy them, and fall in love with you because of these great words, these great truths. Please bless our time in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's have uh, men 19 and over is the first group. Ladies 19 and over is the second group. And everybody, 18 and under, is the third group. Because for the first two points, we have three passages. And then the third point, we're all going to turn to the same place and read it together. All right? So let's, uh, group number one, that's men 19 and over. Turn to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17, okay? Ladies 19 and over, turn please to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And everyone else, everybody 18 and under, turn to Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter number 1. All right, and we're going to get there in just a minute. Let's review. I think maybe the review is the most important part of this whole thing because you hear it week after week and hopefully after the 995th Bible study on this or Sunday night on this, maybe you'll have it. Let's begin by reviewing some of the things we've learned over the last month or so. Number one, Christian doctrine is the foundational teachings upon which all of Christianity is built as given to us in the Bible. Three reasons why we should be students of Bible doctrine. Number one, Bible doctrine changes your life. Just to read it, just to hear it, just to know it changes your life. Romans 6, 17. Bible doctrine keeps you and the people that you love on the right path. 1 Timothy 416. Oh, I want to veer off and talk about the right path versus the wrong path right here because, man, the wrong path. So many Christians going down the wrong path. Uh, anyway, uh, but I want you to stay on the right. I'm the, hey, I'm not in charge of so many Christians. I'm not responsible for so many Christians. I'm responsible before God for this crowd right here, folks that were here this morning and folks that are that right down. That's what I'm responsible for. So, so I want you to stay on the right path. Bible doctrine help you to do that. 1 Timothy 4.16. And then Bible doctrine nourishes you. 1 Timothy 4.6. Theology is the study of God. And the Bible is the sole authority for every Christian's study of God. Systematic theology is a method of studying God which organizes all of the doctrines of the Bible into basic categories. So, We have begun by talking about the attributes of God. And we broke down the attributes of God into two categories. The non-transferable attributes, those are attributes that cannot be shared by God with his creation. And then there are, we haven't gotten to these yet, there are the transferable attributes. And those are things that we can't, for example, and the one I think I always use. Well, let's use a different one. God is love. Well, that's transferable because you and I can learn how to love also. And we can become people of love. Now, we'll never become love as God is. But the (laughs) non-transferable, we can't be that in any way, shape, or form. Like the ones we're going to look at tonight. 
Okay, here's what we've looked at so far. God is spirit. God is invisible. God is one. God is perfect. God is eternal. God is a trinity. God is self-existent. God is infinite. Tonight, here's the three words, and you know them. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. And somebody shout out the third word I'm going to say. God is what? Omnipresent. Oh, we're done. You already know this, so I'll just sit down. No. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. Okay, let's begin with omnipotent. Okay, Uh, potent, potency means power. Omni means all. God is all powerful. Webster's 1829 dictionary means omnipotent says, I'm sorry, says omnipotent means almighty, possessing unlimited power, all powerful. Okay? God's omnipotence means that God has all power and all authority. There is no power or authority that God lacks. And there is no level or degree of power or authority that God lacks. Now, these little definitions that I give you, they're my wording for the most part, based upon things that I have read, and they're in a nutshell. Because I want to tell you, there, there, there have been volumes and volumes written on the omnipotence of God. And there are so many thoughts and sub-thoughts that come from this, and I'm putting it into a, about a, an eight-minute nutshell here. So understand, and, and don't be too harsh or critical on this. Well, well, Pastor, you forgot to mention this about the omnipotence of God. You forgot. It, maybe it's not that I, I forgot to mention it, but that's that I want to keep on rolling. And maybe, just maybe, you want to take this word and you want to do your own study on it. And you want to take it to the places that I didn't take it. So we're keeping it simple tonight and basic for all these Sunday nights so that uh, we can get an overview. But I want to tell you, if we went as deep as the subject is, well, we could be here every Sunday night for the rest of the year just talking about omnipotence. So it's in a nutshell here. All right. Group number one, Genesis 17, verse number one. That's the men. And would you read that while you, while the men read this? Everybody else, listen carefully. Genesis 17, one. Ready? And when Abram... So there it is. Omnipotent. There's a synonym for omnipotent. Almighty. I am the almighty God. Okay, now let's uh, listen to a a statement that contains, okay? This statement cannot be true unless God is omnipotent, and that's in Colossians 1, verse number 17. And ladies, let's have you read that. Colossians 1, 17. Ready? And he is... All right, by him all things consist... It means everything's held together by God. All things. Tell me what's not included in all things. Nothing is not included in all things. Everything's included. So by definition, if there is one who is holding 
all things together. He has to be all-powerful. Okay, now, group number three, everybody 18 and under. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3. Ready? Who being the... Brother Zach and Miss Catherine Whistler, they were 18 and under again. How about that? No, I'm glad they did it. I was hoping that he would take charge, and he did, so that's awesome. Okay, there's another statement in there that cannot be true unless God is omnipotent. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things. Okay? What is not included in all things? Nothing. Nothing is not included in all things. So if one being is going to uphold all things, he, by definition, must be all-powerful. Because there's nobody holding up anything else. There's nothing being upheld that he's not holding up. And so if all things are being held up by him, then he has to be all-powerful, omnipotent. And those are three verses. We could have taken 25. We could have gone 50 verses probably. But those are three. All right, let me give you some quotes on the... um, No, before we do that, let's sing a song. This is a little kid's chorus. It's awesome, but it states the omnipotence of God. How many know the song, My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do? All right, if you know it, sing it with me, because I'm about... 85% on the tune here, so help me to get it right. Ready? My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the That's the part where I was fuzzy. Good. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. There you go. The majesty of God's omnipotence in the simplicity of a Sunday school song. How awesome is that? Listen to what John Gill said. Omnipotence is essential to God. It is his nature. A weak deity is an absurdity to the human mind. J.M. Pendleton said something uh, similar. He said, omnipotence is God's unlimited power, his power to do whatever he chooses to do. God's omnipotence is conceited. That's not conceited like arrogance. That's conceited like they concede, okay? God's omnipotence is conceded by all who believe in his existence. So in other words... If a person does not believe in the omnipotence of God, they don't really believe in God. You may may say you believe in some being, but if you don't think that that being that you say you believe in has all power, you don't really believe in God. All right? Second, God's omniscience. Omnipotence, God knows, God has all power. Omniscience, God knows everything. God has all knowledge. Okay? 
Webster's 1829, once again, omniscient, having universal knowledge or knowledge of all things, infinitely knowing, all-seeing as the omniscient God. And very basically, very basic definition, once again, very simple, God knows all things about all things, past, present, and future. Bang. Once again, there are so many subtopics that we could go to there. We could talk about the foreknowledge of God. And I started to read, I didn't finish to be honest with you, I just started reading about one writer's uh, thoughts about God knowing the future. Be honest with you, in, in my younger years, I, I don't think my brain goes here anymore, but I, my brain used to go to, you ever, you ever do this? You play these games, you're trying to figure out the omniscience of God. My brain goes to, all right, God knows the future. So God knows that on March the 18th, 2017, at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, my daughter and I, are going to go to the Route 37 hamburger place and we're both going to have an original burger and I'm going to get a side of onion rings. God knows that. So so here's where my brain goes. What if I plan to do it and I'm on my way to doing it and then I just I change my mind? Am I faking God out? No, he knows that I'm going to plan to do it and then change my mind. And this, this, uh, this one, I forget exactly who it was. It may have been a guy named Boyce. But he even goes to the extent of saying, God knows what will happen if certain events come to completion and he can operate off of that and cause them to not come to completion. Okay? Let me, this is a very, very tender topic here. But let's talk about let's talk about Sandy Hook for a second. God knew what would have happened to every one of those 20 children had they grown to adulthood. Suppose God knew that none of those 20 children would have grown up and gotten saved. And what God did for them, this is hard. I would never say this on the radio because people would not comprehend this. What God did was extremely gracious and merciful. If in his infinite foreknowledge he knew that they were going to grow up to, they would have grown up to not trust the Savior. But allowing their lives to be taken as five-year-olds and six-year-olds, I believe with all my heart that all, they all go to heaven. I do not believe that God, this is, we're getting off into my opinion here, but it's very strong. I think I could prove it to you from the Bible. But anyhow, that's an example of the foreknowledge of God, God's omniscience. And I believe God's, you know, that's a prominent example. That's one that everybody in the world knows, that horrible slaughter. But God is just that meticulous in the life of every human being. And so we look at tragedies and say, why did God allow that to happen? You don't know what God knows. 
So God knows all things about all things, past, present, and future. Oh, I didn't give you your assignments here. I'm sorry. Let's start with uh, group two this time, the ladies, all right? Ladies, turn to 1 Chronicles 28. Okay, the ladies want to show us how smart they are, so we'll make them find 1 Chronicles, and then we'll give them a verse that's longer than the other two put together, all right? So ladies, there's your assignment, and you can show off here. 1 Chronicles 28. Group number three, this is everybody, 18 and under, Psalm 147. Psalm 147. And by the way, if you're not reading, I hope you're listening to the, to the Bible. Psalm 147, and then group number one, that's men, 19 and up, Romans chapter 11. All right, so group two is 1 Chronicles 28, group three is Psalm 147, group one, Romans chapter 11. All right, ladies, you're in 1 Chronicles 28, I want you to read verse number nine. It's a long one, verse verse number nine, 1 Chronicles 28, verse number nine. Ready? And thou... All right, the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. He gets it all. There's very, very strong temptation for us to say, God just doesn't understand. He gets it all. He knows it all. He gets it all. All right, group number three. Everybody, 18 and under. Psalm 147, verse number five. Psalm 147.5. Ready? Great is. His understanding is infinite. He understands it all. There's nothing he doesn't know. Hey, by, by the way, that's so important to, to know, isn't it? When you're, have you ever just stared at something that you thought you knew pretty well, like a computer car engine and you go I can't figure this one out you know God knows a solution God knows a solution to that thing that changes everything to me when I remember God knows how to fix this and it's just incredible how many times when I finally wake up and say oh yeah let me ask God to show me the ideas the ideas that he gives are just, just tremendous. All right. Group number one, Romans 11. Romans 11, verse number 33. Romans 11, verse number 33. All right, men, ready? Romans eleven thirty-three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There we see the omniscience of God. He knows it all. Stephen Charnock said this, God knows what angels know, what man knows, and infinitely more. He knows himself, his own operations, all his creatures, the notions and thoughts of them. He is understanding above all understanding, mind above mind, 
the mind of minds, the light of lights. John L. Dagg said, God does not acquire knowledge after our mode. God has no labor to acquire knowledge and suffers no delay in attaining it. All things are open to his eyes. So God doesn't know everything because he does a Google search, because he goes to the library, and because he has a, an expert research staff. No, he just knows it. He just knows it. Nothing is hidden to his knowledge. He doesn't have to store knowledge. He just knows it. And there's no way we can comprehend that. There's no way we can understand omnipotence. There's no way we can comprehend omniscience. Let's go to that third one, omnipresence. Now, everybody can turn to Psalm 139. Omnipresence. God is omnipresent. Webster's 1829 Dictionary. Present in all places at the same time as the omnipresent Jehovah. Okay, so here's my in a nutshell definition of omnipresent. God is not limited by space. He has the ability to be everywhere all at the same time. Psalm 139 has been referred to as the omnipresence chapter, but as you read it, you'll find out that it could also be called the omniscience chapter because David talks about God's omniscience as much as he talks about his omnipresence. But we're looking at it in the context right now as omnipresence. So look at this, and we're going to read a lengthy passage, but I think it's worth our while. I know it is. We're going to read verses 1 through 16 and look at the omnipresence of God. Ready? O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which is continuance were fashioned, when as yet... There was none of them. Man, there is such 
profound thought in that passage. And really what you see, even though I used it as a proof text for omnipresence, and it absolutely is, you also see omniscience in there. You also see omnipotence in there. The fact is, if God is omnipotent, he must also be omniscient and omnipresent. And you could say the same about all three. If God is omnipresent, he must also be omnipotent and omniscient. There are no limits to God's knowledge, his power, or his presence. Charles Hodge is a, a um, commentator that I, uh, that I like to read, although, he, boy, he can, he can twist your brain into knots just, just making you think. But Charles Hodge teaches this attribute of omnipresence as, and I don't even know if this is a word, but he uses it, infinitude. The infinitude of God. And Charles Hodge breaks down this infinitude into two categories, immensity and omnipresence. Now, I'm not bringing it up to to make your hair hurt. I'm bringing it up to help you to see two sides of this, all right? He says this, this quote from Charles Hodge, God's immensity is the infinitude of his being viewed as belonging to his nature from eternity. God's omnipresence is the infinitude of his being viewed in relation to his creatures. God is equally present with all his creatures at all times and in all places. So let me, let me break that down. What he's saying is immensity means that it, it's God's ability to be everywhere all at the same time. His omnipresence is more specifically the fact that tonight he'll be in Danbury. For those of you that live in Danbury, he'll be at your house. He'll be in Brewster for those of us. That's just me, isn't it? Those of us that live in Brewster, he'll be in North Salem. He'll he'll be in Brookfield. He'll be in in, uh, Bethel. He'll be in New Fairfield. Wherever you live, he'll be in Beacon. He'll be in... um, what is it technically, Walden? You live in Newburgh? Okay, all right. I know our people. Boy, I know. Anyway, um, but uh, I, I have stopped at that mobile I don't know how many times and never knew until just a few years ago that your house is like right around the corner from there. So anyway, um, he's in all these places all at the same time. You need to ponder that. That's an awesome God. Awesome God. Omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence. Let's conclude the same way we have every week and we're all finished. Our motive for studying God and Bible doctrine must always be a passion for God. Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Our study of God and Bible doctrine must always be accompanied by genuine love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. We don't want to be scholars that don't know how to love people. Thirdly, our study of God and Bible doctrine should result in greater service for the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman 
that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us to continue to study.